Welcome to No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. I'm your host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, Alicia Stickles. If we're honest, family life can be hard. Family can be our greatest blessing, but also the source of our deepest wounds. At No Heart Left Behind, we have a passion to empower families to thrive with the Word of God and the love of Christ. So each week, we're going to have real conversations about hard issues facing families today. It is our hope that you would be equipped with practical tools based on biblical principles for when life happens and relationships get messy. In other words, how do we flesh out all those Bible verses we know when life isn't looking like we had hoped? If you're in a season of family life that feels hopeless or you have a heart to navigate the challenges of family well, but just don't know how, you're in the right spot. So whether you are driving in your car or checking off one of your honeydews, pop in those earbuds and come find hope in the heart of family life with us. Welcome back, friends, to another season of No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life. We are in season three. I cannot believe it. Uh, My name is Alicia Stickles. I am the host and executive director of No Heart Left Behind, and I am here with our founder and lead belief therapist, Abby Shields. It's so great to be back in the closet again. (laughs) I think you said that exact sentence at the beginning of... I will say it at the beginning of every season because it's so great to be back in the closet again. Yes. And I think my closet is kind of cleaned out at, at this point. My husband cleaned his side anyway. So I'm not sure about that, but we'll see. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, yeah, so I am so excited about this season. You know, just when we were praying about starting this podcast, you know, I've said this before that the heart behind it was we just felt like God had... Um, given the ministry some insight and wisdom just about navigating hard seasons of family life. You know, we um, just having worked with this ministry now for, gosh, I think 12 years. I mean, we're going into our 18th year of ministry. Um, What did I do without you? (laughs) been such an ass. I don't know. <laughs> um, but what, I, what I've noticed is just, you know, families have a, a heart to navigate hard seasons well. Um, no one ever is like, man, I don't care if my family falls apart. <laughs> um, but they just don't have the, the tools, tools. Or, or, or like they love the Lord and they love their family, but practically fleshing that out, how their love for Jesus and their love for family fleshes out in all of the the um, ditches thing. of the hard stuff. I mean, it just, it causes them to get stuck. And, and so our heart for making this podcast was just that we could get information into the hands of the families that needed to help them navigate hard seasons well. I mean, we used to do a bunch of classes and people would come but you know families are busy i mean i know i am busy they don't want to come out at night because they're they're busy during the day and the kids have soccer practice or so trying to put another thing in the calendar was just 
difficult. And so you came up with this podcast. Yeah, because I was like, well, this will give, this will bring the content to them and they don't have to come to us. And so we didn't really care. About, I mean, obviously we wanted people to listen and we are so thankful that so many people are listening. I mean, it just blows my mind. It's, you know, beyond what I ever could have thought or imagined for this. Um, but numbers wasn't the goal we just really have a heart for and that's the heart of no heart left behind is just have a heart for supporting families because we believe that foundationally um god is for the family unit um and so we came up with hope in the hard as the title uh because we want to talk about hard things you know because there is a you know there's a lot of hard in family life you know family is a source of blessing, but it can also be a source of wounds. Absolutely. And so... Um, and I think it was also, this ministry was born, of, not only the podcast, but the ministry was born out of the heart of our own family yes, story. Yes, yes. And so um, we want to talk about hard things. And, you know, we don't want to just have that title in name. You know, we want to really dive into the issues facing um, marriages and parents today. I mean, that's why like last season we, you know, we, we talked about sex. We talked about, you know, teens and technology. Uh, We talked about the anatomy of an affair. And I mean, those are just really hard things for families to navigate. And so as we dive into season three, we're going to, continue the hard stuff to talk about some of those hard things so what are what are some of the things that well some of the things that i see in my office that are hard are um parents navigating parenting and children in divorce yeah how do you handle the divorce what does it look like to have the child spend certain amount of time with the mom and a certain amount of time with dad dealing with two different parenting styles where the father is parents one way and the mother parents the other way. How do you come together to be able to have a secure and safe environment for the child that's consistent? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that. Um, There's a series on loss that we're going to be doing, just loss of um, a loved one, whether that be, you know, a a spouse or a child, loss of you and dad are going to be coming back on the podcast and talking about that season where you basically lost all of your possessions. Lost our marriage during that period of time. I mean, we didn't separate, but it the marriage was not a healthy marriage during that period of time. Yeah. So, um, so that, and, um, even potentially, you know, jumping into some of these like gender and sexuality issues that's huge that are facing parents today Mm -hmm. in the hopes of equipping them for dialogue with their kids, you know, because it's just, it is a, um, it's a, it's a topic that is becoming more and more prevalent in our, in our culture and just and wanting in, in the church as well. Yes. And wanting parents to um, be equipped to be able to have open dialogue with their kids about those things. So um, yeah, like a lot of hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think 
one of the things that, you know, I feel like really ties this season together is just this idea of what do you do when life doesn't look like you thought it would, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. What do you do? And that's the, that's the hard part. Because And also because each and every situation is different. Yeah. We can't, we can't give you seven steps and seven habits and say, practice these across the board. It's individualized. It's unique. To, in, to, it's a spiritual issue. And my firm, you've heard me say this before, is that you can't fix spiritual issues with worldly things. And so that's why scripture, that's why Jesus, that's why surrendering all the things that that I have had to do in my own life and have seen such a difference for the better because of it. Yeah. And, you know, well, before we jump into it, you know, because I think, um, you know, life is not always Insta-worthy. <laughs> As a matter of fact, most of the time, things don't turn out the way that you had planned in your head. So before we jump into, you know, what that looks like, because what we're going to do today is look at a couple of responses that we have based in scripture when life doesn't look like we thought. But before we do that, can you think of some seasons um, in your life that looking back you didn't they didn't look like what you thought they were going to be or there or hard seasons I don't even know where to begin with that question uh, I mean I feel like you have a lot to pull from <laughs> I do I'm just trying to think um, okay marriage I had a certain image of what my marriage was going to be like and um, that didn't turn out at all the way that I thought yeah. it, thought it would um, because of my own woundedness, I had a hard time being monogamous in my sexual relationship. In other words, I had numerous affairs and didn't want to and didn't realize that that, that was going to happen. I thought I was going to be happily ever after married and that things were going to be great. And then I get into the marriage and communication styles are different. Um, I'm not healthy emotionally or spiritually. Um, that caused me to seek other things other than my husband. Um, so that didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. But now it has turned out the way that I thought it would, but it took all those rocky moments and those valleys for us to walk through in order to be able to um, live in faith instead of the fear that I was living from. Yeah. You know, and I think another area that we will get into in one of the episodes, like I was referring to is just, I mean, I wasn't around for all of that, but the, the season where dad was experiencing all of the financial troubles at work and just his disbarment and the loss of possessions. I mean, that was, um, it was really hard. That was a really, really hard season. And, you know, I think it's easy and even natural to, for us to kind of look out and say, like, God, have you left the building or do you see me or, you know, what is happening? Right. <laughs> um, and there is this... Um, 
passage, um, she was a Elizabeth Elliot. She is a Bible translator. I forget the country. And I read this um, in the book, Becoming a Woman Whose God is Enough. Uh, but basically, Elizabeth Elliot um, wrote a book and she said this quote, and I think it's so true. Uh, it says, Faith's most severe tests come not when we see nothing, but when we see a stunning array of evidence that seems to prove our faith in vain. And basically what she's saying is that like our faith um, is the hardest, not when like nothing is going on. Um, having faith that there's a God in heaven who loves us is actually the hardest when there is so much of your circumstances that look like he's, you know, it's so bad, um, that it makes it seem like it's, he's not even there or he's not real. Right. And that's when faith, um, is really, really tested. And these are the situations that we kind of are you know, talking about, um, this year, I mean, Elizabeth Elliot, she was kind of referring to, um, she was a Bible translator in a bunch of foreign countries and one of her most beloved assistants, um, who seemed like the perfect fit for that country, um, was brutally murdered and her just having this moment of wondering, God, like, what are you doing? And haven't we all kind of felt like that at one point um right the, this ministry i mean the, the beginning story of this ministry is a prime example of that where when the lord had people approach me about using my teaching gifts and my counseling gifts to start this ministry um all kinds of fear came up um, because they said, get a let, write a letter and send it out and, and then wait for people to respond. And when I was growing up, no, my mother would have birthday parties for me and no one would ever come to my birthday party. I remember my 16th birthday party and, and, um, I was so excited about it. And once again, nobody came to my birthday party. So transfer that to me sitting in my office with these 70 letters addressed crying out to God, is this really what you want me to do? And I was so afraid to send those letters out because I was afraid that none of those 70 people would respond and come to join me in this mission that um, people told me that I was to do. And also then hearing God place that on my heart. And um, I remember sitting in my office just crying and very scared to send the letters out. And my husband came in, and this was the story about when he said to me, Abby, you send them out. And if you get a little, then you'll do a little. And if you get a lot, you can do a lot. But don't not not do that. And so I took a step of faith, believing that I was to do this. And sure enough, here we are 18 years later. And so... Yeah. Sitting in my closet Sitting recording my... a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and just to see all of the people that have come through the doors and the families that have been impacted because of the message of Christ. Um, yeah. It, it does prove my faith that, that, um, that my faith is, if you have a little faith as much as the mustard seed, 
that's all you need. Yeah. And so. um, Yeah. Because I think, you know, I think what you're touching on here is this idea that like when when life doesn't look like you thought it would. Um, or when you're at those kind of crossroad moments of your life, there's there's two ways to respond right, to that. Right, right. You can respond in fear or in faith. And so what I would like to do for this first episode of season three is to go to an example um, or a comparison kind of in scripture um, that kind of exemplify these two responses. And um, they are found uh, in a couple of different places. But what we're going to look at over the next couple of minutes is um, King David's faith versus King Jeroboam's faith. Um, and now King David and King Jeroboam did not live at the same time. So it wasn't like they were both, you know, hanging out in Israel at the same time. But to see the difference in their responses when God gives them a word, gives them a promise, um, and then life isn't looking like that promise is going to happen. Yeah. Or, or it's like, okay, God, where are you? I know you said this, but, uh, I'd love for you to show up. There's two different responses. So, um, why don't we, let's start with um, Jeroboam. Okay. And Jeroboam um, comes on the scene. We see him in 1 Kings chapter 11 um, and chapter 12. And just, you know, quickly a little bit about Jeroboam is that he was a man of good standing in Solomon's eyes. And uh, he was a hard worker. So he was highly favored by Solomon, who was the son of of King David. Um, and because of that, Solomon put him in charge of the whole labor force and the tribes um, of Joseph. Okay. And King Jeroboam was actually the first king of the northern kingdom. At, at one point in um, Israel's history, the kingdom um, was split into two. And so he was actually... Um, the first king of the northern kingdom. So where we're going to pick up um, is in chapter 12, verse uh, 25 through 33. And and what is happening here is that, you know, Jeroboam has been made king. So um, he's there. But then uh, because there are two kingdoms now, um, we're going to jump in in verse 25. And it says, Then Jeroboam fortified Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim and lived there. From there he went out and built up Peniel. Jeroboam thought to himself, The kingdom will now likely revert to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. So basically what's happening here is that, you know, part of um, Jewish tradition was to go um, and make sacrifices at the temple. And you had to go into the southern kingdom to do that. And so what Jeroboam is expressing here is, oh, no, like, what if these people go down to the southern kingdom to make their sacrifices um, and then, you know, they're influenced by Rehoboam and they, you know, they kind of side with him and they end up killing me. 
So what is, in your eyes, here in that passage, Mom, what what do you feel like he is responding in? He definitely was responding out of fear. And um, because of that, then he took matters into his own hands and set up idols and, and took these idols and set them up on high places. So that's where they could come and worship. Yeah, so this is, I didn't get fully into it. So what happened was, in verse 28... It says, after seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. He said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. One he set up in Bethel and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin. The people came to worship the one at Bethel and went as far as Dan to worship the other. Jeroboam built shrines on high places and appointed priests from all sorts of people, even though they were not Levites. He instituted a festival on the 15th day of the eighth month, like the festival held in Judah, and offered sacrifices on the altar. This he did in Bethel, sacrificing to the calves he had made. And at Bethel, he also installed priests at the high places he had made. On the 15th day of the eighth month, a month of his own choosing, he offered sacrifices on the altar he had built at Bethel. So he instituted the festival for the Israelites and went up to the altar to make offerings. And so basically what he's doing, all right, because fear and faith both cause us to act, right? Right. Um, and so out of fear, Jeroboam is making idols and setting up these places. He's kind of like in his mind, I'm going to fix this problem. Took matters into his he own took hands. matters into his own hands um, and and basically kind of created this whole religion, um, you know, based on something that he came up with in his head just so that he could control the narrative of his subjects not going down to the southern kingdom right. and offering their sacrifices to the one true God. Right. Um, and so... Don't we like when, That's when what we, we do? Yes, we don't seek God's counsel, right? Right. We always take matters into our own hand, hands and think of. We take our own counsel as that which is to be that we live what we live out of. Yeah, because in I think it's verse what is it thirty one when when it says after seeking advice, all right. That term literally means therefore the king took the counsel of himself, right. And I just think about all the times when, you know, in family life, whether it's dealing with kids or marriage or whatever, we get in this place where it's like, okay, there's a problem. This is not how I saw this going, God. And then we we try to control the narrative. Right. And we take matters into, into our, own, our own into our own hands. I can think of a time when we had no money to pay our rent and and um, literally were very, very, very broke. And I started selling my jewelry to get the money to be able to pay our rent. And I, I had sold it all and we had paid bills, but we needed more. And I had uh, just a couple pieces of jewelry left. And one was a ring from my husband that he had given me for our 10th wedding anniversary and a ring from my dad that he had given my mother for their 25th wedding anniversary. And so I went to the pawn shop to take matters into my own hands and say, okay, I got to sell this to be able to pay the bills. Well, the pawn shop guy couldn't hand, take care of me that day, and so he said, come back tomorrow. Well, our rent needed to be paid that morning of the next day, and 
So I was upset. I can remember crying and crying out to God, you know, what am I going to do? I can't sell this jewelry and I need to. And so it was a horrible day. Well, I go home and in the mailbox was a check for $500 from a client that my husband had had before he got disbarred. And God said, let me show you that I am here for you. And, but at that time, I mean, and I cried tears of joy, but at the same time, I felt like I was seeking my own counsel. I was doing things in my way and not even seeking God. And then he kind of came in the, in the, I don't know, in the still small voice and showed us I've got you. I'm going to take care of you financially and in other areas of my life, too. And there's so many times that I would try to take matters into my own hands and it wouldn't work and I'd get all upset. And then I'd remember, no, because I was a new Christian at the time and saying, no, trust God, seek God over your own actions, Yeah, which has helped me immensely over the years. Yeah. And I think in it, it's not about the specific actions. I think it's always like our own path when we when we try to create our own path through the hard and manipulate things and and arrange things in the way that we need to. Um, we think they need to go. I feel like that is always marked with this like inner anxiousness turmoil. and worry and turmoil. And it's such an indicator to me that like when I'm in a hard season and I start feeling that rise up in me, um, I know I'm kind of doing things in my own strength <laughs> yeah. and I'm not bringing my hard to the Lord. I'm not trusting him. Instead, I'm responding out of fear. And I think that's a good indicator. Now, let's flip and actually kind of go back in time a little bit to King David, because um, King David, uh, he's been described as a man after God's own heart. Um, and the one there's, there's lots of passages where you see David's faith that I could think of, but one that I really think is pertinent for today's discussion is, um, you know, when David was anointed, um, was anointed King. Okay. When, so basically just a little bit of background, um, Saul uh, was anointed first king over Israel. That's in 1 Samuel 9. And then Saul drifts from God. So the kingdom is taken from him. And that's in chapter 15. Um, and then the prophet Samuel, okay, comes and anoints David as king in chapter 16. And then David enters Saul's service and has great success. And Saul becomes fearful and jealous of David. So at this point, you know, Saul is trying to kill him. So the thing I find interesting is that there is roughly 13 years between when David was anointed by Samuel and when he actually took over as king. And in that gap, man, he's running for his life. Like Saul is, you know, he's hiding in the caves. Yes. Scared he's going to get killed. Yeah. And so there's this one passage and it's found in um, 
1 Samuel chapter 24, where David is in the desert. He knows that Saul's trying to kill him. Um, He's hiding in a cave. And it would just so happen that um, Saul uh, needed to relieve himself and crawls into the very same cave that David is... um, is hiding in and all of David's men are like, here it is. God is, you know, delivering Saul into your hands. Kill him, kill him, kill him. Um, and he doesn't do that. Instead, he cuts off a piece of Saul's um, robe, or I think it was a robe. Was it a robe? Yeah. Um, you know, just to kind of show that, hey, like I could have gotten you, I guess. I, I'm assuming that was his heart posture. But um, I want to spend some time on this little passage because it's here that we see the type of faith um, that David showed. So um, like, for example, the first thing that I see about David's faith um, was that there was wisdom in his trusting. So if you're in first Samuel chapter 24, um, verse three and four, it says he came to the sheep's pen along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Okay. And what I see in that is that um, God was, or I'm sorry, David was able to discern between what his men told him and what he knew to be true about God and his law. Because I find one thing that when we're in hard seasons of life, you know, very well-meaning people show up and... Try to get, I mean, there were a they lot They give of, your opinions. Right. And there were a lot of Christians who came up and told me, you need to divorce your husband. They be, And they were leaning on scripture to say, you know, that I, that I could divorce my husband because he wasn't providing for his family, etc. But I knew deep down in my heart that to do that was not really what I believed in my own heart that God wanted for me. Yeah. And I, and I see that with... David in that the fact that he knew that Saul stood in the way of him being king but he also knew that if he was to kill an anointed king that he was going to be disobedient that was being disobedient to God yeah and like that's what that's what it's about in those hard seasons go back to what you know go back to the promises of God, not what you feel. Yes. Too many of us make decisions based on what we feel instead of what we know. And that is where scripture comes in, yeah. in those hard seasons. It's the promises of God um, that we can stand on. Right. So right. what about, what, what do you see in David's faith um, in this scenario in the cave? Well, the, the difference between the two kings was with the tearing of the robes. You know, David's heart was to obey God. That's in verse, I think, verse five. Yeah, so I'll read verse five. It says, Afterward, David was conscious stricken for having having cut off a corner of his robe. So I love that part just about um, him being conscious stricken. Like if, I mean, just over tearing a little piece of the robe of the guy that was trying to kill him like even something like that he felt that he had 
violated, um, you know, God's anointed one. Mm -hmm. And so because his heart was fully God's, um, you know, he had a heart to obey God. That's what, that's what he wanted to do. And so again, in those hard seasons, do we have a heart to obey God? So, um, yeah, the other thing I think about is that David's trust was, um, it was complete. Like there was no plan B. You see in verse eight, um, when he's talking to Saul, he says, then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, my Lord, the King. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. And basically what I mean by his faith was complete is that he, David went out in front of the guy who was like trying to kill him and prostrated himself to the ground. Like that is a defenseless Right. position. I mean, he trusted God to the point of death. Yes. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, it was full and complete. He was just like, I am going out here full surrender. Um, I'm going to trust God that he is going to take care of me. He right. promised to make me king. And so nothing is going right. to change that. There was no plan B of self-protection. And right. again, I, I just feel like it's another thing that we do when we're facing hard things is we have we have our plan b we do and and part of that plan b is to be comfortable i think our nation has become addicted to comfort yeah and when we start getting out of our comfort zone and that's when things fall apart but god doesn't call us to be comfortable yeah he calls us to trust him completely yeah um there's this great quote by francis chan it says but god doesn't call us to be comfortable he calls us to trust him so completely that we are unafraid to put ourselves in situations where we will be in trouble if he doesn't come through the point of your life is to point to him so uh, it just you know the faith of David is just, I think, is such an example for us, um, you know, as to how to walk through hard situations. He, like some other things just about his faith is that just his ability, and you have to go, we obviously can't do like a whole Bible study in no. the podcast, but if you go and read First Samuel 24, um, you'll see that like David knew what was his work and what was the Lord's. Um, you know, he tr- got David's work was to trust and obey God. Um, and he left, you know, God to be the judge to determine the outcome, essentially. Um, you know, another thing I think about, and this is one thing that I really feel like applies to family life, is that, um, his trust affected others. That when David is having this conversation with um, with Saul in verse 16, he says, when David finished saying this, Saul asked, is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? 
May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Like, talk about a change of tone in Saul. And so I think the take home, especially when it's concerning family life, is that our faith can affect can affect others. It right. influences those around us. Like, you know, I know that um, watching you and dad walk through the trials and the struggles that you've went through, um, you know, it and, and the way that you just would cry out to God and go to him first before, you know, taking things into your own hands and fully, I mean, y'all, y'all couldn't even have a plan B. Y'all were so far down, there was no there plan. There was no plan B. So, um, you know, I, I just, seeing that has influenced me. And I think that as we're walking through hard seasons of family life, knowing that people are watching, that's not the reason why we do it, but just the opportunity for influence and discipleship there of how we walk through hard times right, is. Right. And I think, no, it's not about worrying about what other people watching us. For me, it's about what's the message I'm giving to my children, especially yeah. if I want them to know Jesus. Uh, they can they can go to church but where they to get to know Jesus, but where they really get to know him and to see the application of his word is our behavior in the house and influencing my children with the actions that I want to show them that with Jesus, you can get through anything. You really can. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just to wrap up kind of with this comparison is that, you know, both David and Jeroboam were given a promise to be a king. And then like there were circumstances that happened in both of their lives mm -hmm. um, that caused them to wonder, God, what what's what's happening? What's going to happen? And and you see David and how he tro chose faith and there was so much wisdom and understanding um and fruit from his faith. Um and then you have Jeroboam who chose fear and set up, you know, all of these idols and and places of worship and really just tried to take things um into his own hands. Um you know, so you see the two different responses. And, and I think the thing is, is that you can't have a Jeroboam type trust and expect David type David, outcomes. Right, absolutely. You know, when we when we manipulate hard seasons and when we take matters into our own hands and and try to figure out the way through um, or avoid, you know, like chase the God of comfort kind of thing. Um, we don't, we miss out on the blessing. the blessing, you know, God still loves us fully and is there and is the miss, but you, you miss out on blessing, um, when we, when we do that. Um, and so I think, um, that's a big takeaway as we navigate these hard seasons that don't look like what we thought is, do we respond in fear or do we respond in faith? Getting back to that Elizabeth Elliot, you know, quote, quote, just the idea that our faith is most tested when our circumstances suggest that there isn't 
a God in heaven who loves us and is with us and is for us. Um, so I guess my last question to you as we end our time is, you know, what, when you know that you are in a season where you feel like you're being controlled by fear and not responding in faith, like how do, how do you move from responding in fear to responding in faith? Like, what is that? What does that process look like for you? Well, first of all, be still and do an inventory. Am I, am I trying to handle this myself or am I truly turning it over to God? And then one of the things that I teach in, in the sessions and that we talk about with the client is that where do you have the fruit of the spirit in that if I don't have the fruit of the Spirit, I am not trusting God. And, and it's I draw this triangle and I tell the client to stay on the right side of the triangle. But what, And so as long as I'm on the right side and looking to God and being in His Word and sitting with the Holy Spirit and just hearing that voice that sometimes can be very small and quiet. He doesn't come in the big roars. Mm-hmm. But... Um, sitting with him and getting to know him because the more I know him, the more I trust him. But oftentimes I trust him with the big things, but I don't trust the, you know, the big things like my salvation. That was the thing that I started. I trusted him with my salvation, but I didn't trust him with my finances. I didn't trust him with my children. And when I didn't trust him with the little things, which are big things, but compared to salvation, that was the biggest thing that everybody says trust him for. Um, I would get off the right side of the triangle and go over and try to help God. All right, I trust you with the big thing, but I'm going to take over here. And so it's learning. I know that I am on the left side trying to live in my own efforts when I don't live and walk in the spirit and the fruit of walking in the spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control for me that is the way that i can navigate through life is to, to truly be conscious of am i walking in the spirit or am i walking in my own power and yeah so I don't know if that helps or not. No, I think that's really good. And I think, too, um, you know, for me, it's just when I recognize that I, you know, because I think that is a great way to recognize whether you're walking in faith or walking in fear is because when we're walking in fear, you that fruit, you don't have the fruit of the spirit. No. You don't have the joy and the peace. And, you know, that is the message of the gospel is that you can have, you know, love and joy and peace not based on your circumstances, but right. based on who God is and our relationship right. with him. Um, so I think that's a great like way to recognize what we're what we're walking in. And then when I do recognize that I'm walking in fear um, and not faith, it's going going back and remembering. and but what I mean by remembering is remembering who God is remembering how he has been faithful in the past, um, remembering his promises, remembering his character. And, you know, through remembering it, um, it just grows, it grows my faith. Right. And it helps me kind of shift from this perspective of 
fear to God, you have always carried me. You have always been with me. And no matter the circumstances, I have not walked through them alone. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, and here's the thing is like, you know, if you're living and breathing, you have survived 100% of your worst days. Absolutely. And that is not anything of your own doing. That is the grace of God. Right. Um, and my prayer for our listeners is that they, they will hear that. They yeah. will hear that in our hearts through our voices out to them, the words that we're speaking to you, to you truly can have a faith that will give you the opportunity to walk in the Spirit. And there's nothing greater, absolutely nothing greater, than walking in God's love. Yeah, and, you know, and it's and it's not based on circumstances. No, because, like, as we'll see this season, there are so many things that just... That are hard. That are hard because we live in a broken world. And it's just not going to... It's going to be broken until, you know... Um, King Jesus returns. And that doesn't mean that God is not in the broken. Um, You know, Elizabeth Elliot also talks about that same um, situation. She says, it was a long time before I came to the realization that is in our acceptance of what is given that God gives himself. Amen. And so that even though life isn't looking the way that you thought it was, he he's using it to give us more of himself because that is the ultimate good gift. Absolutely. I mean, scripture after scripture points to that. There's a scripture that shows us that the reason we go through hard times is so that we'll learn not to depend on ourselves, but on God. Yeah. There's another scripture that says that hard times bring about perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. There's another scripture that says the goal of your faith is the salvation of your soul. Yeah. And I mean, over and over again, God reassures me that, yes, you will have hard times. There will be struggles. But take heart, he has overcome the world. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us on No Heart Left Behind's Hope in the Heart of Family Life podcast. We hope you felt seen, encouraged, and just a little more equipped to love your family well. If you want to learn more about No Heart Left Behind, be sure to check out our website, www.noheartleftbehind.com, or visit the link in the show notes. If you love the podcast, we would love it if you would follow us on your favorite podcast player. And if you love this episode, please share it with a friend. Your encouragement is not just for our egos. It really helps others find the show and encourages them to check it out. Mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. So until we see you again next week, go home and be a world changer. Thank you.